Hello and welcome to Nutrition 411, the podcast, a special podcast series led by registered dietitian and nutritionist Lisa Jones. The views of the speakers are their own and do not reflect the views of their respective institutions for Consultant 360. Hello and welcome to Nutrition 411 the podcast where we communicate the information you need to know now about the science, psychology, and strategies behind the practice of dietetics. Today's podcast is about diabetes and technology, and I want to welcome our guest, Rachel Stahl-Salzman. Welcome, Rachel. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this topic today. Yes. Well, I am excited to hear about it, but first I wanted to tell the audience a little bit about you, Rachel. Rachel is a registered dietitian and diabetes hair and education specialist in the Division of Endocrinology, Diabetes and Metabolism at Weill Cornell Medicine in New York City. Rachel is passionate about empowering individuals to make sustainable lifestyle changes and leverage diabetes technology and digital health to improve their health and quality of life. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you. For our audience, I would like if you would start by telling us a little bit about what is diabetes technology for those that may not know or be familiar with it. Sure. Diabetes technology is broad in scope, so I'm so glad you asked this question. It's considered the term that's used to describe the hardware, devices, and software that people with diabetes use to manage it. It includes everything from glucose monitoring, where we use blood glucose monitoring systems and continuous glucose monitoring systems known as CGMs people might be hearing about, It includes various insulin delivery devices, such as smart connected pens, insulin patches, and automated insulin delivery systems, and also digital health, running the spectrum of various consumer wearables and diabetes apps, ultimately to help support the patient to live well with diabetes. Wow, that's a lot, especially if you're not familiar with it, because I know a lot of us, like this is like new and upcoming technology and it's always changing and it's hard for dietitians if you're not in this field to keep up with it. So with that being said, my other question is how can then this technology be used to support individuals that have diabetes in when they're trying to manage their nutrition management and more broadly in their overall health goals? Diabetes technology can offer an array of benefits, and it's really such an exciting field. And like you said, it can absolutely be hard to keep up with this ever-evolving field, but it's an exciting one because it's making it easier to live with diabetes and manage all the complexities that come along with it. To start, it's been shown to help improve clinical outcomes, uh, such as improving A1C and also really that cardiometabolic care. You know, more than just glucose lowering and glucose supportive, it's having effects on a variety of other health conditions for that person. It can also help reduce the risk of micro and macrovascular complications and ultimately help make it easier to improve their day-to-day living. It provides flexibility. It can help improve quality of life. And what's been really exciting for me is seeing how it really empowers the person living with diabetes to take um, more of that important role to manage their condition, giving them the tools to do so. Yes, I love what you said about the empowerment component, because that is one thing that sounds very empowering, especially if you're a patient and you may not be used to technology. And then you're kind of saying, well, here's what it can help with. And that's enough to get most people on board from what it sounds like. But then the other side of it, which brings me to my next question is there's probably like 
many misconceptions that come up about using technology, especially when we're talking about managing diabetes. And my question is, since there's so many, could you start by just telling me about what is the one that you see the most? Well, one that, you know, is fresh in my head from this past week in my clinical care um, was the misconception that using technology is going to be too complicated. For some people, there's definitely, in thinking about my patient this past week, a fear of change. We want to remind patients that the goal of this technology is used to help decrease the burden for them um, and ultimately help improve our collaboration by having all this data and all the, uh, you know, all this technology to support them. So it's really important for the dietitian as part of that care team to help help patients overcome it. And I, I love doing that by bringing them into the office. It's kind of like a show and tell, showing them all the different options out there. My goal is to help give them the knowledge and tools so that they could ultimately make the decision and knowing that we're here to support them in whatever it might be. And, you know, this example of, you know, this patient, it was like an eye opener and a game changer when she decided to try a CGM. We just placed a sample on her. She tried it for 10 days. And she came back to me like, I can't believe I waited this long. That was her words. It's just so powerful for us to be able to provide patients with these things that are going to help them. Yes. And it sounds like you have a very powerful testimonial right there. And what you are doing is decreasing the burden. So as soon as you hear, I'm going to help you, I'm going to decrease your burden. And I'm sure you say it in a Rachel, a better Rachel way. <laughs> <laughs> then they're probably like, yes, I'm on board and they want to try it. And I like what you said about show and tell, because a lot of people learn better by seeing somebody else do it first. So that's excellent. Yeah. I, I also think it's, you know, so important to meet the patient where they are, you know, the, the technology, you know, there's more simpler types of systems to more advanced. And, you know, certainly we want to give patients what we feel is like the highest level, but we need to remember to meet the patient where they are and what's going to be most helpful for them at this point in time in their diabetes journey. Yes. So true. Excellent point. Now, if you had to mention another misconception, I know there's probably many, but which, which is another one that you would say? Yes, great question. I think another common misconception for some patients could be this idea that once they start the technology, it's kind of like a plug and play, right? The minute they start it, they're going to be cruising, their numbers will be perfectly in range, and they just kind of sit back. We need to remind patients that it's not fully a plug and play system. Maybe ask me in 10, 15 years from now with all the advances we'll see, uh, there certainly will get patients closer to that. But we need to remind patients that they are still in, in, con in control at the, at the most. And these systems help move them towards what I consider a cruise control, right? When we think about driving, we think about how cars can go on cruise control, but we still need to be there to monitor if some variables change, just to be able to quickly address um, anything going on. So it's important to teach our patients about the benefits of these technologies. What are the components that are going to be automated and what is part of what they still need to control? And a perfect example that I you know, just had with a patient recently about who was starting an insulin pump from going from using multiple daily injections of insulin, I needed to remind her that the insulin could do various things. The pump is going to help them to provide a basal rate and help keep their numbers tight overnight and between meals. It's going to help with these automated systems to correct high glucose values. But she still needs to be in control of putting in for meals, the carbs and con 
controlling some of that mealtime insulin dosing decisions. While the pump provides a lot of support, she's still, you know, in the driver's seat. I love these analogies that you're you're doing because it makes it seem it brings it to life and it makes it seem like more something that you can accomplish easier. So it's more user friendly for the person that's listening to it. Thank so you. I appreciate, appreciate <laughs> you sharing those. And I'm sure your patients do as well. So you were talking a little bit more about the technologies, but what would you say would be the latest technological advancements in diabetes management? And more specifically, like, could you talk about current ones now? And then what would be like a futuristic forecast for you? Oh, wow. Such a great question. We could probably be spending so much time (laughs) talking about it. So I'll do my best to cover what I can. So as I mentioned, this is such an exciting time to be in diabetes technology, and it's so great for all the listeners out there to continue to learn and keep your ears open for all the latest advancements. I feel like every month there's a new FDA approval, something new in the news in diabetes care. Um, so it's always evolving, which again, as a dietitian in this realm, it's, it's really a, a great field. I think what we're seeing now and what we have seen are new features and functionalities from companies that we already Um, know and use. For example, we've seen tremendous advancements in continuous glucose monitors. In the past year alone, we see these uh, systems getting smaller, more accurate, more comfortable, and for the first time, approved in pregnancy. So that is what's really exciting um, in the CGM world. If we were to also think about on the insulin side, we've seen tremendous advancements in what we call automated insulin delivery systems. These are systems that combine the continuous glucose monitoring data with insulin pump technology and algorithms that can automatically adjust insulin dosing in response to glucose levels. And this has been tremendous support for patients, again, giving them so much more of that um, hands-off approach, again, still in the driver's seat, but tremendous support in these automations, and they're just continuing to get smarter and better. I also wanna add that for patients that are using insulin, we're seeing tremendous advancements in the use of other types of delivery systems. We're seeing patch pumps where patients could um, not use injections like they're doing with pens. They can actually just click, an example I'm thinking of is Secure. They can, have a little patch connected to their body for two to three days, and they just click it to support their mealtime insulin dosing. So with a simple click, they could provide their mealtime insulin dosing, keeping it very discreet um, and easy to use. We also now see inhaled insulin, um, and that's known as a Frezza. So a world, again, without insulin injections, we're seeing such growth in that field. And with the pens, we're seeing more connected insulin pens. Using, I have patients using InPen, which we really love, in that it helps to integrate data. Not only is are they getting their insulin dose, but it's tracking their doses. It's providing reminders through a Bluetooth connected app on their phone. It's helping them with the calculations of doing their mealtime insulin injections. We know it's a lot of math for patients. They need to calculate their insulin to carb ratio, determine how many grams of carbs they're eating, what is their glucose levels before the meal and how much insulin they need to reduce it. By having a system with a connected app that's doing the math for them, that is tremendous and a big help. I also want to highlight diabetes apps and digital health. We've seen tremendous growth in these technologies to help support our patients living with diabetes. 
These, for example, apps are combining data not only from diabetes devices and smart scales, but also using artificial intelligence and machine learning to provide advanced insights for patients. So it's a really amazing opportunity and tool to get involved with. And I encourage any of the listeners out there who are thinking about apps, might want to recommend apps to their patients, but not sure where to start, to try the app out themselves. It's such a great way to learn about it. Um, find out more. And I'll also put a plug for an article about apps that I just published in ADCES in practice, where you can go to to learn more about diabetes apps. Oh, that's huge. And it's like mic drop Rachel, because all that (laughs) stuff you were saying, you just proved why it's a specialty and why you have a certification and what you do, because trying to remember all that stuff and it's just vast. Yes. Which, which is, so brings me to my next question is how can registered dietitians, how can we keep up with all this and provide the possible care for clients? Like, what is your recommendation for that? Yes. A couple ideas. And Lisa, you'll share all the different resources in the notes from this podcast. I would say there's a lot of tools and resources out there. That's the good thing. Uh, But it could be hard to know where to go when there is um, a wide variety of and looking for really evidence-based sources. So we're here with the dietitian group today. And so if you're a member of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, I strongly encourage you to become a member of the Diabetes Dietetic Practice Group. Um, So as you might be familiar, there's many dietetic practice groups known as DPG um, in our academy, and there's a diabetes specific one. And I'm the diabetes technology chair of this DPG, where I work along with a committee to provide exciting educational content for all of our members, including hot off the press news, we provide webinars, and we have a regular column in our peer-reviewed publication called Newsflash. So I know we're approaching annual membership dues, which are right around the corner, so it's a great time to assess your interests and consider this DPG. And Lisa will share the, the link to the DPG where you can learn more and see if it's a good fit for you. I also wanna encourage dietitians to look at leading diabetes organizations, including the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists, known as ADCES, as well as the American Diabetes Association, ADA, which offer many resources to help keep you up to date, including consensus statements, patient education handouts, and conferences. And I have to share, Lisa, one of my favorite conferences I just went to last year was a diabetes technology-focused conference through ADCES. So ADCES puts on an amazing annual conference every year. And for the past two years, they've had a specific diabetes technology one. So I definitely encourage any of the listeners out there to look for that. And not only was it, again, so focused in technology, but they actually had a hands-on training where um, participants could actually try out some of these devices, feel what it's like to wear a CGM and connect it with your phone and you know review it and i feel like that has made me so much more confident in talking to patients about it you know they ask me is it painful does it hurt how do you connect it and having that firsthand experience has definitely made me feel so much more skilled in supporting them no oh, that is that is amazing and i you you answered the question i was going to ask you next but it's pretty much like how long has that conference been in effect but two yeah. years and that's going to be something that continues to to go on year after year, because it's probably going to, that might even be bigger than the original one. I don't know. 
Yes, but. and it will. It's growing, right? I also want to mention ADCES, another important resource that, you know, I know conferences, it depends on the people's schedules and dates and costs and everything, but they do, um, ADCES offers a free resource for healthcare professionals called Dana Tech, and that's available at danatech.org. And this is a site exclusively on diabetes technology where you can compare devices, find out the latest and greatest in technology, free webinar certificate programs. There, there may be some costs associated with some of these, but in general, it's a great resource to go to. Um, and I encourage all of you to check that out. I also want to make a plug for dietitians who are looking to get more involved in diabetes care to consider going for the Certified Diabetes Care and Education Specialist Credential. This is something that has helped me tremendously in my role, and I can't speak more highly of it. Um, so to learn more, you can go to the National Certification Board for Diabetes Care and Education, and Lisa will share this, the website in the notes, and you can look up eligibility, you could look up details. Um, and again, I really um, advocate for, for that credential. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. It's a really good, sounds like a really great resource. So with all that being said, now how do you take yourself as a dietitian and other dietitians that are listening and work with the other healthcare professionals such as endocrinologists and diabetes educators to then take this technology and work together for a more comprehensive diabetes management approach? The great question. The important takeaway that you know, I've seen in my practice and where we see success for our patients is that team-based approach and really putting the person living with diabetes at the center of it. We know that with the complexities of diabetes, having a support team is so important. So on that first visit where a patient who may be newly diagnosed or may have been living with diabetes for many years and looking to establish new care, we really set that expectation from the beginning, working with an endocrinologist, a dietitian, certified diabetes care and education specialist, um, we wish we could have behavioral health support, psychologists on board, you know, there's the, the team, we wish it could be growing, but having the dietitian is a key factor. Just the example of thinking about continuous glucose monitors. We, you know, we were lucky if we had patients checking their glucose once or twice a day, but now with CGMs, where we're able to see glucose values 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And seeing how food, right, nutrition as dietitians, how food is affecting their glucose levels, we are key to help unlock that data. We can help patients to understand it. We can help patients to interpret how their glucose levels might be fluctuating with certain meals. We can help them understand if they might need some support with carb counting, maybe taking into effect some protein and fat in their insulin dosing, and then making the decision about maybe they do need to intensify their medication regimen. And that's where I'll work with the endocrinologist to see what kind of changes we can make. So, you know, it's really amazing that we can provide this team-based approach and help kind of unlock the medication management with some of the more lifestyle components together. Yes, and it's fantastic. And I appreciate you sharing all the information that you've shared with us. And I think that as things continue to come out, it's going to be just create more, more cohesion and just being able to work better together. So I think just listening to what you were saying, it's, it's just fantastic that this is happening. 
all Thank these you. advances. <laughs> so many. Oh, speaking of, you asked about the future, right? Yeah, we've already seen so many advances in these technologies. Um, and one thing I want to mention is just in the past, um, probably like six weeks or so, um, we've seen that Medicare and CMS has expanded coverage for CGM. So this is only going to continue to grow as more patients get access to these technologies. So previously, CGMs with Medicare and Medicaid were only previously available to patients who were on at least three um, insulin injections a day. But this has now changed, which is opening the door to millions of patients to have access and the coverage for these technologies. Um, it's now available to people who are, might be on just one injection daily, for example, maybe a basal insulin, or also for patients who have had severe hypoglycemic episodes who may not even be on insulin, but other medications that might contribute to it. So it's really opening the door. So we're going to see continued growth. And another thing I see is and I really heard this a lot at that technology conference I was at, was a growing effort for interoperability. And what this means is that more of these devices and systems are going to communicate and talk to each other. And with that unlocks more data and more integration to provide more insights, not only for the patient, but helping inform that healthcare team, helping us to really see what's going on. And patients, it will give them more choice. Maybe they want this in insulin pump with this CGM, with this app, um, and giving them that choice. I see that growing a lot in the field too. Yes, I love that, but open the doors and give yes. me more choice. Right. Two right. things that people want to hear more of. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bring the cost down. I think that's, yes. you know, that's been a big <laughs> barrier for sure is the cost of some of these technologies. But I do see, and I think in our future, we'll continue to see these companies really making efforts um, to bring the cost down and, and give access to more people for it. Yes. And you're breaking down the barriers too for your patients. <laughs> Thank I, I you. I would love to hear one story showcasing your work. I know you've already set an example earlier, but is there another one that particularly sticks out for you? Uh, okay. Yes. I'm sure I'll think of some examples here. <laughs> I would say, you know, I think with CGMs and just how it's helped them expand um, their ability to understand how their food and factors affect their glucose levels. You know, I think of patients, for example, who thought they could, you know, were told they can't eat fruit. They, they said, oh, it's going to raise my blood sugar. I have diabetes. And I feel like as the dietitian, I always like to think of what we can add more of, how we can show them that they can eat foods that they thought for years that they couldn't eat. And by wearing these technologies, putting us, you know, CGM on the patient, we talk about meal planning and they're able to realize, oh, wow, like I could eat this orange. I could eat this banana. Um, and we talk about, you know, in what portions and what maybe combinations of food choices, what time of day, maybe their activity levels to help them. You know, my goal is to make their favorite foods fit and finding ways to help them support them and, and with technology to show them that it can, giving them the confidence that they can do so in an easy way. They, they don't have to... Um, suffer in those ways. So I feel like in a way I, I unlock a, a lot of that for, for those patients. <laughs> yes. You're like creating magic there. <laughs> and I also think about, you know, for some patients with diabetes, how it can be a uh, hard for the family. I think of a patient that um, I had that I have who is blind and her daughter was leaving work multiple times a day to give the patient her insulin injections. So thinking about not only for the patient, but how family members and loved ones are supporting patients and how that's really hard work. 
Awesome. And we were able to talk to the patient and her daughter about trying a one of these insulin patches where the daughter could fill the insulin into this patch once every two to three days, place it on the patient, and the, the daughter can go to work and live her life. And the patient, again, who's blind, is able to do the clicks. I was mentioned that earlier with two, however many clicks for her meals. And so that's easing the burden for not only her, but for her family. And so that was really an amazing way of how technology can help support them. Yes, definitely. And I'm sure the the daughter was happy that she didn't have to keep telling work. I have to leave yeah. to go home and help my mom. So exactly. sure it's another burden relieved. Yes. So if, you, if you could just say one bottom line takeaway for the audience, I know we talked about so much today, but if you could just give them one bottom line takeaway, what should they do or be aware of? I think with all this technology, I think two things. <laughs> you asked for one. I'm going to give you two. <laughs> okay, good. I'll keep it short and sweet. Overachiever. Go ahead. <laughs> Stay open-minded and be that sponge. I mean, that is what you know, is really exciting. So stay open-minded, experiment, learn about it as much as you can. And the other, the big piece takeaway with all of these technologies, we need to remember that we need to address that psychosocial component. Diabetes distress, diabetes burnout are real and a high percentage of patients and more are having it. So we need to work with the patient and remember that at the forefront of everything we do and really be curious, learn from the patient, find out what their pain points are before we're ready to bring on the technology, meet them where they are. Maybe it's just having a meeting of talking, seeing how they're doing, not looking at data for one day and really taking that approach um, of addressing their psychosocial needs. So I do want to make a big plug about the importance of that. Yes, definitely. Couldn't agree with you more. Meet them where they are. And I think that's something that works for in any discipline that you're in, not just Yes. specifically in diabetes, but just, or any specialty, I should say. So thank Absolutely. you. Thank you for thank everything you. that you shared. You are a wealth of information on this subject. And thank I, you so much. Yeah, I want to end with a fun lightning round questions that aren't necessarily related to diabetes, but more importantly, so the audience can find out about you, Rachel. So my first question is outside of this particular technology, if you were had a day off, what would be your favorite technology or favorite app that you would go on and why? So I am a fan of Garmin. My husband and I love cycling and, uh, tr you know, exploring different parts of on our travels and getting out of New York City, uh, you know, to explore or, or be in Central Park, which is so nice. Uh, so I like using the app Garmin, which tracks a lot of statistics about our rides and looking at the different insights that it can provide. Oh, nice. So that's like the old, I don't know if you remember the old one that used to carry around, like it was like pretty big. It was like bigger than your, maybe the size of your hand or something mm -hmm. like you'd carry in your car. And so that's the still, so it's basically something technology from them. That's just well, now advanced. it's, yeah. So you, you have the smartphone app and it's Bluetooth connected, right? All of these apps now that are kind of that connection, um, Bluetooth connected to a smaller device, not that big one that you can put yeah, on yeah, our, yeah. that we can put on our bikes and, uh, look at all, all of the data. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. Oh, cool. So do, do they have something similar like for that for runners too? Or is it just like cycling? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think so. 
Oh, okay. I have to check that out. I mean, and I don't it's connected to Strava. I use Strava as well to, to okay. monitor those too. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that for those that are listening that do those activities. And I'm sure there's like, they may have something for walking for anybody that doesn't run. <laughs> yeah. Ding, ding, ding in that category. All right. So what about something non-food that you like to do? So you mentioned cycling, anything else would be like something fun that you'd like to do. Well, I love, um, well, you said not food, coffee. I'm a big fan of coffee. And so I love trying different um, coffees. I f- feel like I go to my favorite coffee shop in the city and it's like a kid in a candy store with all the different types to try from around the world. Um, so I, you could find me doing coffee tastings <laughs> with coffee friends tasting. anytime. <laughs> Riding your bike with your husband doing coffee tasting. Okay, so now we know a little bit about where to find you. Although he doesn't drink coffee, so it's it's only oh. me drinking all of it. <laughs> yes, you're like, I'll try that for you. <laughs> I'll be as, as caffeinated as possible. <laughs> and then my last question is, like, you know, I have to ask one about food. What is your favorite food to eat in the springtime? Do you like change up or is it, or if you if you don't have the change in seasons? What is your favorite food to eat? Yes. So being in New York, I'm all for the seasons. And yes, as we're approaching spring, um, for me, I think about um, pesto. I think of that as being spring. And so kind of moving away from my warm pasta dishes with tomato sauce and kind of the heavier side to lighter pesto. And and, um, I can't say I I, I think I would love to have a garden and grow fresh basil, um, but maybe I'll encourage myself to to get a basil plant this year and make sure it stays alive. Um, But love kind of using fresh ingredients uh, for fresh pestos. Nice. Now you're making me want to make some pesto pasta later. So thank (laughs) you for that. (laughs) So thank you, Rachel. I thank you for being on our show today and for sharing your insights with us. And we will share all the resources and links that we discussed in today's podcast. And to our audience, thank you for listening and please tune in again and share your comments and feedback on our site. Have a great day and enjoy a healthier lifestyle with the 4-in-1 in mind. For more nutrition content, visit consultant360.com. 